Hello, and welcome to Occupied Thoughts, a podcast brought to you by the Foundation for Middle East Peace. My name is Sarah Ann Minkin, and I'm the Director of Programs and Partnerships at the Foundation. Today is October 7th, 2021, and I am so happy to be joined today by Basil Adra and Natasha Westheimer. We are going to talk today about the South Hebron Hills and the West Bank. Basil was born and grew up there and lives there now and about how Palestinians in the South Hebron Hills live and the challenges that they face, including state-backed settler violence and lack of access to water and other infrastructure. Basil and Natasha, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having us. I want to start with you introducing yourselves to our audience. Basil, will you start? Yes. Uh, hi, Sarah. Hi, Natasha. Uh, so my name is Basil Adara from from Twani village, it's south of Hebron Hills in a region called Masafriyata. Uh, I was born in this village for two parents who are activists. Uh, from them, I learned how to resist this uh, occupation army in a non-violent way. Uh, but I learned more skills than uh, my parents do, which is... Uh, the English language and how to use the camera and documenting. So now I am uh, uh, an activist as my parents used to do and, and they are doing still. And today I'm a journalist who's documenting these violations uh, and publish about them and write on my like uh, personal uh, social media page also uh, in 972, also on Haritz, uh, yeah. Thank you, Basil. Thank you, Basil. Natasha, tell us about you. Sure. So um, thanks again for, for having me here. Um, my name is Natasha. I'm uh, an Australian-American that has been living in, in this land for about eight years, uh, working on water and climate issues in the West Bank and Gaza. Um, and in addition to my work, I am also a human rights activist um, and an activist against the occupation. And I see both my water and climate change work as an integrated part of my anti-occupation activism. Um, and a lot of my activism has been in the South Hebron Hills um, with Basel and with other activists from the area. Um, and I've just spent a, a, um, a good chunk of the last year spending a lot of time in daily solidarity with the activists in the South, um, supporting Basel and others in documenting and amplifying what's going on in the South Iron Hills and in the Safriata. Great. Thank you. Thank you both so much. So we're going to, to dig into the South Hebron Hills. And I, I want to start with, with what just happened in a village called Mufakara. Basil, about 10 days ago, you published an article, you co-published an article on 972 magazine called Scenes from a Jewish Pogrom. Tell us what happened. Uh, yeah, Sarah. So, what happened was like uh, it's really the, the the worst attack I ever seen in my eyes and documented. Uh, like dozens of tens of masked settlers came with hammers uh, and slang shots. Masked settlers uh, escorted by Israeli army for sure. Uh, first, they start attacking Shepard, who was there with his uh, nephew and his son, who's like seven years old and six years old. They ran to him throwing stones. Uh, he was like next to this village. Mufagara was really next to it. Like, uh, and he was lucky that he, he, he stayed there. Uh, 
just grinding his goats there. The settlers reached there, and before they reached, actually, he had, like, catch his son and his nephew and run away to the village because that's the only thing he curious about in that moment, like, in, like, it's just, like, to save the children and his body uh, in front of these tens of settlers. Since he, like, arrived there at the village and, like, it, while he was running also, he started calling and screaming to the people to come and help him. The people start to, to run toward his goats. Uh, like the settlers were like throwing stones. As the people said, there was like over than 40 settlers in the beginning. And that moment, like throwing stones to them. Some of these settlers had, had knives and they start to step the, the goats in their stomachs. Uh, three of these goats until now dead. Some of them are still injured. Uh, yeah, for sure, the settlers start to throwing stones with the, with the sanctions toward the, the Palestinians. In the moment, Palestinians uh, try to defend themselves. Soldiers shoot tear gas and sound bombs. While they were nearby the, the village, all this happening, another group of settlers from Chavat Ma'on outpost starting arriving in the village with tractorons, uh, with also sticks, and start to attacking the houses. So in this moment, the people run back to the community, to their children, to their women, to like in, in the houses. Uh, the, the other settlers who were with the goats, like left the goats uh, and some of the, the women there managed to, to take the women, the, the goats, sorry, back to the house. So all these settlers and like keep running there uh, were attacking the community within the soldiers, like, over, like another two army jeeps arrived with the soldiers that were in the beginning there. And that, in that moment, like after almost 20 minutes of, of the attack, I, I am personally reached there. I took a video that uh, was published on Betselem uh, page and other like pages. Uh, and yeah, that was the really the, the worst moment for me. Like I, I, I hear that the, the women are shouting, the children are really screaming and crying and running down like out of the house, of the houses down to the, to the valley. And settlers were everywhere uh, in the houses of, of Mufakara. Like I was, I stand next to buy like the first house in the village where at least 20 settlers damaging cars and, and the house where there are like three Palestinians who tried to defend. So that's like, make me film this, you know, because settlers were busy with destroying the houses and the cars. Some Palestinians tried to defend and throwing stones to, toward them, like in order to defend themselves. So that gave me that, that this like three or four minutes filming before the settlers saw me with a camera and start to run uh, following me. And I make it like really, really hard to save myself. I, I was like really with the flip flops and uh, running really fast while they were running behind me. They didn't even throw stones to me because they, they really wanted to reach me and to, to catch the camera from my hands and beat me. But I, I managed to run away. I ran away back to, to Rakiz village. All of these settlers stand on the hill. People were coming from Twani to, to help in Mufagara. Settlers start to throw stones at them, at their cars. And from there we were hearing, like we, we could like keep hearing the, the voices from Mufagara, like the people are shouting, calling for help. 
it kept like for two hours like this until like really the group of settlers were throwing stones toward us from Fagara and Rakiz. They were just tired and gave away. Even I have videos of the soldiers like standing next to them and shooting tear gas at us. One of the soldiers tried to actually to catch a setter from throwing stones. I saw another setter came with a stick, wanted to beat the, the soldier like on his head because he catch the other setter. And you know, this, the soldiers were in the village shooting like tear gas and sound bombs, a sun grenade, sorry, and fire life shots. In the moment I, I like, after it finished, I, I walked into, into the village. I really like the only thing I wanted to do, I really wanted, like, seriously wanted to cry from what I see, like the blood of the people, the water uh, everywhere, like they cut the water pipes, the water tanks, solar panels, every every car reached there were, were destroyed, like this, the screams of the women's and uh, the, ch the children's were really the worst I, I ever seen. And, you know, while I was walking there, I saw this like fire starting in, in a wood uh, that one of the family collect and put for, for the, the winter. I called the army, there's a fire here because of your like uh, tear gas bombs that you shot it at, at the community. Two soldiers, like officers ignored me. One of them is Meor Moshi, who like pushed the Israeli activist during a water demonstration. So they ignored me and then I shouted, I screamed at the, at the, at the people in the community, at the guys like uh, that you need to get a bring like a bucket of water to, to turn off this fire. When, the, when two guys ran, then the soldiers came back to, to me. Two soldiers actually helped in turning off the, the fire and this Moshi filmed the, the, the thing, told me that I did the fire. I was saying to him, no, you did it. There's the tear gas bomb. What are you, what the, the fuck are you saying? It's unbelievable after this like big pogrom that you, are, you, you did, look at, at all the, the whole community is destroyed. So he just took this, this clip of two seconds uh, I don't know, 12 seconds, sorry, and and later was published on like channel 12. But the whole community, Sarah, were really, were really destroyed. Uh, a lot of army like arrived there, the civilian administration, the police. The settlers stand next by, no one talked to them. No one, no one like even asked these must settlers their IDs. The army claimed that they arrest as a settler from, from the incident itself which is, was not, not true. It was like a drunk settler came from Abigail after the attack. He was going uh, in his way to, to Havat Ma'un through the village, and they just detained him because he, he, he was in, in a closed military zone, but they didn't arrest any settler who has the knife and like stepped the goats or, uh, or like were destroying the windows or the, or, the, or the houses until there was like a big campaign on media they start to claim that they arrest, I don't know, four or five settlers, and then some of them are released. But the idea, they don't arrest settlers in the incident itself. And what happened after the settlers did all this big roam, all these like attacks against Mufagara, there was like dozens of soldiers in, in, and, and police and civilian administration. The settlers managed to reach Havat Ma'on and go attack my village, Twani, again. Even there was like a lot of soldiers around, even around Havat Ma'on. They managed to reach one of the 20 houses and throwing stones there. 
After that, the, the army like decided to move and start even to shoot tear gas again at us as as a Palestinian and shooting fire light shoots. So just to mention about Sarah's attacks, Sarah, it's it's really started when these illegal settlements were established in, in West Banks and in, on our land on our lands. But the idea is they they keep improving their attacks, their policies. They started with settlements. Then after the Second Intifada, actually during the Second Intifada, they started with these illegal outposts. This specific years, this specific year, sorry, uh, like 2021, they started with a new policy, which is like the farms. Settlers like go uh, take that what what so called state land that was stolen from us and declared as a state land and create their farms. What they do, they rent thousands of donums and they create like a farms of sheep of camels mostly it's sheep they bring volunteers these volunteers are really the most violent and racist settlers and they put them inside there they put them in the state land as a as a as a as a farm for the settlers and what these settlers do they go attack our fields our olive trees that go with their goats or destroy the fields during the night and you know managing and organizing this kind of attacks since may in 20 and mufagara and the keys like this area next to khabat maun we're facing really managed like a really organized attacks by the settlers these attacks not happening uh, by chance or something like uh, it's it's really organized like very clear they they bring a big number of settlers in holidays especially in Saturday, which is the Jewish holiday, and the Jewish holidays, like in general, as was happened in the 28th of September, uh, like they 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 use this these holidays to do uh, this kind of attacks. Okay. Yeah, and the second thing important about this kind of these attacks, that the Israeli army is benefit is benefit behind these attacks. Really, I, after I, I I was in Mufagara and reached there after all this like this damaged, I saw that the smile on, on these like soldiers' faces watching like the, 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 the des- destroyed windows and cars. They really seemed really happy about what happened. And it all led to the to the occupation uh, policy and goal in this area, which is you know the army refusing to give us water electricity they come almost every week to damage to destroy houses and structures that we are building refusing to give us build building permissions it's all to make a pressure on our and us and our life to leave this land and settlers attack as well is is part of the policy settlers come damage the house the field cut the olive trees the life resource killing goats poisoning sheep so as what happened in 2005 it's all lead to the same goal which is like pushing us to leave this land Basil thank you you were so clear and I I want to I I'm going to summarize just for a moment just to reflect back to you what I heard you talk about and I'll and I'll start from the end which is what you just explained that the goal both of the the mil- the Israeli military and the settlers is to force you off of the land and that yes, they're doing this through this, this combined from combined uh, policies and behavior from the army demolishing homes, not giving you electricity, not giving the villages in the South Hebron Hills electricity, not giving them water, 
or access to their lands, and then building the building of settlements, which has morphed or developed, as you said, uh, um, into these uh, these outposts, and now also into farms, which are taking over more and more land. And there are attacks on your livestock, on the sheep and the goats, and now and an attack on on people, and in particular, and and part of why we're speaking now, and we've known we've been we have been talking about and, and, and looking at the increase in settler violence against Palestinians in the South Hebron Hills, especially in the last year, but especially now in the last few weeks with this big attack that you just described that you said was the worst thing you've ever seen and sounds absolutely terrifying. The attack on, on all of the homes, on, on the cars, um, and with the military shooting tear gas at Palestinians, not not only not stopping the settlers from attacking the villagers, but actually um, shooting on the villagers themselves. This is what this is everything that I just heard you describing, describing yeah. down there. I have many more questions for you, but I, I want to ask Natasha. You also were in Mufakara recently. What was yeah. what was your connection yeah. there? So. Um... Uh, about a week and a half before the pogrom that Basil described on uh, September 28th, I was um, I was in. Wait, I'm going to interrupt you for one second. Sure. Forgive me. Why are we calling it a pogrom? What does that mean mm. to you? I'll start by saying that for me, I grew up with a very um, simple definition of pogroms. As a Jewish person, uh, pogroms were you know the events that happened in across Europe to uh, physical violent attacks on Jewish communities, targeted attacks on, on infrastructure, on homes, um, on people, on property, um, uh, threaten, threatening Jewish communities to, um, to leave, um, to make life unlivable. That's, the, that's how I came to learn about what a pogrom is. And, um, you know, over the last, over the summer in particular, as Basel described, we saw these organized attacks of settlers coming uh, into villages, throwing stones, masked, wreaking havoc on, on communities. Uh, obviously, what happened um, September 28th was worse than I've, I've ever heard or seen before as well. Um, but, you know, I'm worse as I've been paying attention to these developments, I can't help but make the connection between pogroms that we saw in Eastern Europe with what's happening here. Communities being targeted based on identity, based on being Palestinian um, for, you know, the sake, for the sake of, you know, trying to, for Jewish control of the land, for Jewish takeover of, of Area C. Um, that's why I call it a pogrom. Um, Thank you. And yeah. Thank you. But you were telling, so a week yes. and a half before, so now it's about a week and a half weeks, before, three weeks yeah. ago, you were three in weeks Mufagra. ago. I was in Mufagra. Um, there's one, one of the things that's happened this year, as Basel said, is this increase of outposts throughout the area. There have been, I think, seven major new outposts uh, in the South Hebron Hills, one of them including the expansion of the Abigail outpost in the area of Mufagra. Um, and there's been an increase in settler violence, as we've seen as well, accompanying that. Um, there's one family in, uh, in Mufagra that lives somewhat distant, somewhat away from the village. Uh, generally, the roads leading to these villages are not paved. Um, the, this is, again, part of systematic efforts of the civil administration to restrict Palestinian development in the area. Roads are demolished, you know, as well as houses. Um, and 
the roads leading to these villages are often unpaved, um, very hard to get to. Beyond that, these villages are not connected to water. Um, they don't have reliable water sources. They rely most of the time on expensive private trucks, um, especially in the dry season. In the, in the rainy season, we can collect rainwater. They collect rainwater, but especially over the summer, they've had to rely this year on private trucks. And there was a, an effort by a group of activists to try to bring a water truck to one of the families in this village in Fagra. Um, and we were accompanying this water truck along the road. Trucks sometimes, you know, are, are nervous as well of these settler attacks. We had a, a group of about 40 or 50 nonviolent activists there to accompany um, uh, activists, uh, accompany the truck. And we were immediately met by the army throwing tear gas, throwing stun grenades without even declaring it a closed military zone, which is a tactic they often use to try to prevent activists from moving in the area. They just bombarded this group of activists with um, extreme physical violence. Um, Basel mentioned Maor Moshe, one of the um, officers in charge, was seen throwing an elderly Israeli man off the road incredibly violently. Um, and, you know, this is one video that went viral and, and the commander even was reprimanded, which is very unusual that a case was even opened. Um, but the, the extreme physical violence was really uh, something I hadn't seen uh, in, to that extent um, for something as simple as accompanying a water truck. Um, I myself was injured in the, in the, in the chaos. I broke my um, a bone in my hand. I'm in a cast. It's not, not the prettiest thing in the world. Um, but it, you know, for me, it was, it was not, it wasn't surprising to see that amount of violence coming from the army. And I think it's connected so much to what we're seeing systematically is the way that violence is being used, whether directly through being pushed and shoved or through, you know, what happened in Fagra 10 days ago was, um, you know, cutting open water tanks, cutting networks, um, smashing water filters, these, th this direct violence we see, but we also see the indirect violence in the way that the civil administration, the way, um, the, the army, the way settlers are systematically making it difficult uh, for Palestinians to live in Area C through denying them water access, through denying them connections to networks, through demolishing infrastructure. Um, you know, this is, this is part of a systematic policy. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's what I saw in Mufagra. It wasn't just this one incident um, a few weeks ago. It's just part of this whole system. Great. Thank you. And I, I, I should clarify for any of our listeners that um, Area C is a designation from the Oslo Accords, and it refers to Israeli, the level of Israeli control over this part of the West Bank, which is both military and civil control over this part of the West Bank, um, which is where the South Hebron Hills, where this area and Masafariyata, where Basel is, is talking about. Um, and the civil administration is, is the uh, Israeli mechanism of, of occupation. So, think, so you've both described to us what occupation looks like in this area and what the, the increase in settler control and settler violence backed by the military, what that looks like and feels like. There's another piece that developed over the last few days. And you mentioned um, Maor Moshe, this, this, this officer, and Basil, you mentioned that uh, he accused you of starting a fire. So there has been a new attack on you, Basil, personally. Um, and yesterday you published yet another article 
um, called I Filmed a Settler Pogrom. Now the Israeli media is smearing me. And I want to add for our listeners that all of the articles that we're mentioning are all available on our website and um, you can find the links there. But Basel, tell us, what is this new attack on you? What, what's, what is happening now? Yeah, so what's happening now is really like crazy and unbelievable. I, I Seriously, I can't believe what, the thing that they are doing, uh, especially to go through like a channel, like 12 channel. Uh, we like we have uh, more good evidence and uh, proofs to prove who, who's doing this uh, these things. Uh, they could have asked us, and I can personally show them like settlers shooting fire life and setting fire in homes, cutting olive trees, uh, whatever they want. I we have evidence, but uh, they wanted to 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 take this like clip of <laughs> twelve seconds. The soldier telling me. I set a fire, I, I told him, no, you set a fire, and I filmed the tear gas burning the fire. And they just took the speech of the soldier as a evidence, as a proof to prove that, that I, I started the fire. I was shocked that they, they didn't contact me, they didn't ask uh, anything, and they just published my name, my details as an activist uh, on like Channel 12 and, and their Twitter making a campaign and settlers publishing it everywhere that I, I started the fire to claim that a Jewish doing it. I can understand that they that these settlers want to do something like uh, because they, they seem bad, like everyone know about Mufagra, Bukrom and about the, what the soldiers doing. But you know, to go through a channel like uh, through a media, uh, it, it's, it's crazy. Like it's really shocked me. And they, they are targeted me and not I am not the only one who's targeted uh, as an activist here, especially documenting and writing about the, the occupation, about the violation, about the attacks that they are doing. They they are trying to uh, to, to to attack us. So now, yeah, they, they started with this clip on Channel 12. Then they published my name, my details on Twitter that I am... Uh, that I yeah I, I started this fire. Uh, they want to upside upside down the truth about what what they did. Then when when it it's clear that they didn't have uh, evidence about it, it's just soldier telling me that I started a fire. I told him no, you started it. Uh, they started you know using. Uh, so uh, now they they started even like to 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 publish things about my father who uh, who've been like arrested many times that he's like doing violent against settlers you know they're trying from here from there to to chase me other activists in the area like my friend Nasser who's facing like detention in in the army checkpoints uh, and telling him you are wanted you 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 like the army need you to be arrested but they don't arrest him but let him waiting in checkpoints for hours uh, in in claiming that they are checking his idea that he's wanted you know uh, as activists here as I, as i mentioned documenting uh, like and publishing they, they are trying to chase us through this like uh, this this methods i also not just now it's on the media, but uh, before some months, I was called by the Israeli police in Karatarba that I, I, they, they want me in interrogation. When I went there, I, 
like they told me that I have uh, one of the settlers did the two complaints against me once that I beated him and I asked another people to beat him. And the second complaint that I go to his uh, like land every Friday and I bring people there, which is both are not true. Uh, the land was like a, st- like a Palestinian land, then the state take it and make it like state land and then give it to the settlers to create farms there. So the, the owners were going and uh, claiming to have the, their land back, but uh, they, they didn't manage to. I was going there to document this demonstration. So he, he claimed that I, I organized these things. And about beating him, he just say it. And like the, here I, I'm, I'm talking about the, the policy, how the Israeli, uh, Israeli police dealing with, with the complaints. Like when a complaint comes from a settler, they deal with it. They call us, they come, they arrest us during the night, make us pay fine, take, taking us uh, to the court. And as what happened with my father also in February, they make him pay 7,000 shekel without any evidence, without any evidence to prove that he did something against these settlers. With me, the same thing. They make me pay money in the police station without any evidence. In the other hand, I was attacked by the settlers in 2019. They attacked me with their dog under Chabad Ma'on while they were attacking family that uh, picking the olive trees. I did a complaint. The same settler attacked two people with the same dog. Until today, he's free. And not just that, he created a new farm before some months. So there is really big like uh, racism and disc- discrimination between like how the Israeli police dealing with, with the complaints that we are doing and the settlers are doing. There's so many examples uh, about it that when we are complaining, uh, like we do com- complaints, they are like, uh, they ignore our complaints. And with settlers, they, they deal, they move very fast with it and try to do something to make the settler happy about about uh, about the co- the complaint that they are doing. Thank you, Basu. You're you yeah. are sharing with us what this harassment, this ongoing and continuous harassment, looks like. And I I want to ask you. You you started by by saying to us that um, your parents are activists also, and that you learned this activism from them, but you added your own skills of learning how to document with the camera and, and journalism and your use of the English language. I wanna ask you, what, what is the goal of all of your activism and your parents? What are you trying to achieve? Uh, we really try to, to achieve a good life as other humans living, like to have, uh, to, to, to stop being harassed by Israeli settlers attacks and uh, soldiers like arrests and the checkpoints. And more than that, to have our, li- our rights to living in our own land, uh, building our homes, our uh, schools, our clinics, our roads, our water, our electricity, like ha- to have our life requirements, including the homes without being demolished and destroyed by the army or the Israeli settlers. And like, yeah, the big goal is really to end the apartheid and the, the occupation. Like uh, every day they're stealing land, they're destroying something, they're planning something, uh, expanding of, of settlements far from outposts. On the other hand, destroying Palestinian community. 
We're trying to stop this and calling for our justice. Thank you. And Natasha, I want to ask you, you're not from this area. What, what drives you to spend so much time with Basil and the other activists? You said you, you're in solidarity every day. Yeah. To me, it's, a, it's quite a simple answer. I think I'm just a human that's oriented towards doing what's right. Um, fighting for human rights. I, I, of course, this is, you know, a lot of it has to do with my Jewish heritage and growing up in a community where we learned how critical it is to, you know, support communities in um, living lives with access to basic rights. And that's how I got into water because it was the first time I understood that um, denying Palestinians access to water was uh, something I just wasn't, I couldn't tolerate. Um, and uh, through that came to really understand um, what's really happening here. And as Basel mentioned, it's the system of apartheid that's happening um, here is just something that I, it's a, what's right and wrong for me. It's a, it's, it's a question of how I, how I, yeah, will fight for, for justice. Um, and I'm, I'm not from here. Uh, that's always been something that um, keeps me very conscious of um, my position in, in this and how, how I can be supportive um, as somebody that's not an Israeli citizen. I'm not Palestinian, of course, either. Um, but for me, it's, it's really important that I can both um, take, I can take, you know, what I'm learning about through Basel and through others in the area uh, and amplify it in the communities that I'm from um, to make sure that Mofagra is a name on kitchen tables across the US, um, that congressmen in the US are also putting pressure on the Israeli government to, to take action and to you know, be a part of the system that's, that's working to stop the occupation globally. That's a role I can play. Um, and that's why I keep coming back. Um, yeah. Thank you. Sure. Thank you both. I have so many more questions for both of you, but um, for, the, for the purpose of this conversation and this, this podcast, I'll just ask you my, my last question. Is there anything else that you want an American and an international audience to know? If what we actually we want them to do, like to to do know the truth and and uh, look for the the truth from the the right side uh, and to 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 help us, like uh, in any any case, sharing what we are writing, uh, publishing demonstrating, as Natasha just mentioned, calling their governments, making pressure on their governments to make a pressure on, on Israel, like to stop the uh, military occupation. I really don't have so much more to add than that. I think um, there there's always, you know, important moments that we can, that require additional pressure. And I think right now, there's a couple of things happening. I think we're seeing this insane rise in settler violence and there needs to be pressure on the Israeli government to take action on that. Um, but it, there's also bigger things happening as well uh, in 
less than six weeks from now, a major court case is happening in the Israeli Supreme Court regarding um, the status of firing zone 918, which is an area in Masafriata where 12 villages, um, you know, kilometers away from where Basa lives and, and the big area where he's also active, where the decision will ultimately decide the status and state of those communities of the over a thousand people that live there. Um, it's likely what we're concerned with is that it will be the status of the firing zone, which the Israeli government declared decades ago, will be um, upheld and those communities will have to leave their homes. And this is an important issue that we also need to be adding pressure on. And it's part, again, of, the, you know, there's this the settler violence and this, um, you know, this, these state policies are, are all interconnected. And so, you know, that's that's the message that Basel is always trying to send. Um, it's also why we need to continue to add pressure, not just on these big picture issues, but also on these very specific cases um, that's happening uh, in the area. Thank you. We are going to be following that court case closely and the settler violence closely. We will have um, more discussions on Occupied Thoughts on this podcast and also in our webinars and um, and in the voices that we are amplifying at the Foundation for Middle East Peace. So thank you for bringing that up and we will be following up with that. And I look forward to continuing this conversation with the two of you. I wanna thank you so, so much, Basil and Natasha, for your time today, for sharing your time with us today. And I wanna thank our listeners, sure, all yeah. of Thank you, Basil. I wanna thank all of our listeners for tuning in and encourage you, check out our website, the FMEP website, www.fmep.org. The articles that we mentioned today and a map of this area will both be up on that website. And please make sure that you are subscribed to this podcast to stay up to date. You can find us on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on Spotify, and you can also watch these podcasts on YouTube. And with that, I am Sarah Ann Minkin signing off for now. Take care. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you.